today on the Online Enquirer podcast. We're going to chat some college basketball, focus on Illinois basketball's offseason and the big dominoes that still are yet to play out. That includes Ray J. Dennis, the Toledo point guard transfer, of course, and Coleman Hawkins and Terrence Shannon with their NBA draft decisions. Isaac Trotter, now the 24-7 sports college basketball writer, uh, Illini Enquirer graduate. Isaac Trotter is going to join us in a little bit to break all of that down. We also get into which Big Ten teams have won the offseason, which teams have lost the offseason, even though I admit, Two off-season losers last year were Michigan State and Purdue. Purdue won the uh, Big Ten championship. Of course, lost as a one seed, but um, also Michigan State went farther than anybody in the Big Ten. So, does it mean anything? No, but it's fun to talk about. So, we'll do that with Isaac Trotter coming up. But first, I want to talk about Illinois football because they have landed a significant commitment in the class of 2024 because it's the quarterback in the class of 2024. Trey Petty, three-star prospect out of Starkville, Mississippi. Illinois, yes, has landed two quarterbacks out of Starkville, Mississippi this offseason. Of course, Luke Altmaier, former four-star quarterback out of Starkville, already here. Trey Petty was the backup to Altmaier when he was a freshman. Petty was a freshman. And now the last couple years has been a star. Led Starkville to a state championship last year. Phenomenal stat. That's dual threat quarterback, almost threw for 3,000 yards, ran for 700 plus yards with over 40 plus touchdowns, uh, both passing and throwing. So a dynamic dual threat talent, but quarterback, there's always urgency to landing a quarterback, whatever recruiting class it is, because there's only so many legit power five quarterback prospects and Petty is a legit power five quarterback prospect, had offers from Mississippi State, Georgia Tech, Indiana, Illinois, several Power 5 programs. Um, But there's only so many. So there's just a rush to get quarterbacks and to get them committed. And that certainly is the case in this class so far. Only five of the top 30 quarterback prospects in the class of 2024 remain uncommitted. Just to compare that, 18 of the top 30 wide receiver prospects are uncommitted and 22 of the top 30 offensive tackle prospects are uncommitted. So that just gives you an idea of how quickly this moves. And Illinois had a lot of urgency with Trey Petty. Their first target in this class, their first offer in this class was Danny O'Neill. They really pursued that. Barry Lunny really pursued that. Illinois was among his top options. He decides to commit to Deion Sanders in Colorado last month. Since then, Illinois offered three more quarterbacks. Tyler Cherry out of Indiana, Trevor Jackson out of Florida, dual threat guy, Cherry Moore of a pro-style guy, Trey Petty, dual threat out of Starkville. And this was all after Barry Lunny had done a bunch of evaluations in person during the evaluation period. And he was picky. I mean, you compare to like Pittsburgh, who had offered basically every quarterback Illinois had in this class, but Pittsburgh has offered dozens of quarterbacks. Illinois had offered only four. And in the last couple weeks, they really focused on Trey Petty, both Barry Lunny and Brett Bielema, who got very involved uh, in this recruitment. And Illinois showed so much urgency that they got Trey Petty on an official visit this month, April. An early official visit. They're allowed to take visits April of junior year. And this is the first time I've seen Illinois do that. So they wanted to lock him down. They got him on campus last weekend, and they closed the deal. Barry Lunny leading this recruitment, but Brett Bielma played a big role in this as well. I think that is very telling because you know Brett Bielma does get very involved in recruiting. Illinois has a coach that can be a closer and do that, but 
he really got involved here with Trey Petty, really liked him as a prospect. Uh, he compared him to, to Russell Wilson, the best quarterback, of course, that he's ever recruited. Now, Petty's got a while to, a lot to prove before he gets to that, but just that dual threat nature of him, his leadership, his ability to win at a high level in high school, took a team that was an underdog going into the playoffs a talented team in Starkville, but the highest level of Mississippi State football led him on an improbable state championship run. Um, so I'm sure Brett Bielma likes that about him as well. But Illinois gets their quarterback in the class, and it's a Power 5 prospect. And I think that's really important in recruiting, just in the cycle of recruiting, to get the quarterback on board, one that has a lot of Power 5 you know, offers, you know, and can help you recruit. And Trey Petty's got the personality and the desire to go help you recruit. That should help you get some other prospects on board. Gives you somebody else, one of their peers, who can help recruit. And I think that's why it is important to get some early commits is because when you get them in the spring, those guys work on getting other guys. And that's really helped Illinois in the past couple of years getting some guys on board early, whether it's Caden Fagan or JoJo Hayden or Hank Beatty and Clayton Light, whoever it is, Donovan Leary was important uh, in that first recruiting class. Joey Okla was very involved. Getting some of those guys on board early to help sell to others. Um, so it's not just the coaches. It's some of their peers. That makes a big impact. And I think a quarterback carries a lot of weight there. But Petty does represent what Barry Lunny is looking to add to his room. Like Cal Swanson last year, 2023 signee, you'd call him a sleeper. He's pretty highly rated for us by the end at 24-7 sports. Phenomenal athlete. He's got some developing to do as a passer. But Trey Petty, great athlete, dual threat quarterback. You know, Tony Peterson, when he was here as offense coordinator, was looking more towards those traditional pocket passers. Lunny's offered some traditional pocket passers. I would include Daniel Daniel O'Neill's a little small, got some got some quickness to him, but more of a traditional pocket passer. Tyler Cherry, definitely a pocket passer. Trey Petty's a guy who can go unscripted. Trey Petty's a guy that can make a lot of plays with his feet, but he's got some strength to him, even though he's not the biggest, but he's 6'1", close to 190 pounds, has some power to him, but a lot of athleticism. He's got a good deep ball. I know in some of the camps he's participated at, maybe the accuracy can can improve a little bit, but you know, on tape, you know, completion rate this past year at the high school level was pretty good. He's got some talent around him. But he's put up some big numbers, and I think that just shows that Lunny wants more, and maybe Bielma wants more, of what Lunny had at UTSA, which was Frank Harris. Uh, in the two years under Lunny, Frank Harris threw for almost 5,000 yards and 39 touchdowns to just 12 interceptions. He ran for more than 1,000 yards in those two years combined with 15 touchdowns. They want somebody that can make plays with their feet, can go off, you know, off script, and, and make some plays with their legs. And I thought Tommy DeVito had a little bit of that, but the injury to his ankle uh, certainly hurt him a little bit with that. But Petty can do that. So now you get into this system with Barry Loney. I'm interested to see what he does with some of these guys, whether it's Swanson, whether it's Trey Petty. But Luke Altmeyer is, is a good example of this as well because while Petty's probably a better athlete, Altmeyer's a good athlete. And part of what... Barry Lonnie really liked about Altmeyer is his ability to make plays with his legs. I expect to see more of that out of Illinois uh, coming up. So now your future quarterback room, I don't want to say this because the quarterback room never feels stable. It feels like it's always going to have turnover, right? Because it's quarterback. There's only one that can play. So guys are going to hit the transfer portal if they're buried on a depth chart. That's going to happen with Illinois, with, with one of these guys, uh, maybe two of these guys coming up. 
But you feel like you have some stability in this room. Illinois has ridden that quarterback transfer carousel for a while here because they haven't recruited the best prep prospects at the position. And part of that is because you haven't been good. The other part is you haven't been good because your offensive coordinator keeps overturning, right? You've had a lot of coaching change. Illinois had five offense coordinators over the last seven years. So one guy's looking for one thing, one guy's looking for the other thing. Your offenses change, uh, coaching changes, so guys transfer, or you're just not be able to land top prep prospects because you're not showing anything on the field. Maybe Illinois can start doing that because Lonnie gets a second year and now you can build off that and have him here for a while as an offense coordinator. Now, the transfer portal has been good for Illinois. I mean, Wes Lunt, A.J. Bush Jr., Brandon Peters, Tommy DeVito, those are the best quarterbacks Illinois has had since Nathan Schuhaus, right? So it's been good for them. They've been able to go upgrade there. But I do think there's some value in bringing prep quarterbacks in that you can develop and be within your system so they know what you want and you don't have to reteach a veteran or take take away some things you don't want him to play like that he might have played like at the previous stop might have some some bad habits from a previous stop right um at least habits that you don't want in your system i think that's the benefit of this um and maybe you can get off that quarterback transfer carousel because you have altmeyer for potentially three years you have donovan leary behind him potentially for four years. You have Cal Swanson for four or five years. Now you get Trey Petty coming in in 2024. One of those guys won't be here long-term, right? Maybe a couple of those guys aren't here long-term. But because you have Altmaier for multiple years and now you're starting to get Lunny's guys in, this is the most stable the Illinois quarterback position has looked in a while. And of course, again, that can change right away. But it feels like you can build. Like you're not looking to patch things. You can build up this quarterback room and force a lot of competition. And Lunny's got what he wants. He's not going to find two quarterbacks every offseason that fit what he what he wants. Or, you know, this constant change you might not have as much. Now, I'm not one of those guys that thinks the quarterback transfer portal is bad. Like, go get your guys. Go upgrade if you have to. Like, if Altmaier is gone after two years, goes to the NFL or whatever it is, and you feel like one of these guys is not ready or good enough, then you go to the transfer portal. And you go upgrade, and that's the great part about it. Um, but it feels like now Lundy can build something in the quarterback room. It feels like it's been patching up for a while you know, with all these transfers, and now maybe you get some time to, to season these guys, develop them, and get what you want in this program. And It'll be interesting to see how it evolves and uh, what Lundy is able to develop at that position. But it's going to get hot and heavy now here. In the class of 2024, you got official visit season coming up. So I know some people are understandably angsty about the class with only three commitments. You're 12th in the Big Ten, 61 in the country, don't have a prospect in the top 800. But man, I think they've set themselves up well. And that's the point: is is to set yourself up well, get a foundation in the class. I think they can add to the class, whether that's a Carlos Orr out of Tennessee, wide receiver. Defensive lineman Demetrius John, Ohio. I have crystal balls in for those guys. I think Illinois is sitting well with them. And then you get official visit season. You really look to take that class to the next level. And that's where you do most of your building in the class. So can they land some of these top in-state prospects, whether it's Luke Williams, Tyshawn Griffin, Darian Dupree, Austin Alexander, Eddie Turk. You know, Can you land some of those guys uh, in June? That'll be the important part. They're going to land some Florida defensive backs. I'm pretty confident about that. It's about who they land, which guys they land, um, and can they make a splash in June. But they will have, by the end of July, I feel, a really good foundation of most of this class filled. It's just about 
who do they land, which uh, how big a recruitment do they, they land, and then you head into the fall. But I'm not concerned uh, about where they stand in this class because they have so many guys set up for official visits. They have a couple guys committed already. I think they'll have them more uh, before June starts. So I think Illinois is sitting in a pretty solid spot um, as they build this thing. Of course, the more you get into this build, the more four stars you want to land. And Illinois is shooting its shot for those guys. right? Luke Williams, Naperville North, would be a massive get uh, as a safety. Uh, if you can get Marquise Lightfoot away from Alabama and Ohio State, of course, that would be a massive massive get but i do like the way they approach recruiting and i do think the class 2024 is going to be another solid class and a class that they can potentially land a few four stars as well so trey petty nice addition i think it really adds some juice to this class moving forward for illinois also want to shout out shauna green another big get uh haven smith 2024 center out of Lincoln Way East, six foot five. I'm going to write this at some point. I'm going on vacation here, uh, so I haven't had much time I'm trying to crank out some content, get stuff ready for for going on vacation. Um, but I haven't been able to do a three takes column. I wanted to on on Shauna Green, who just continues to impress in every certain way. Like this off season feels like an A plus for her to land Camille Hobby, a really high impact proven high major center uh, to add Shea Bolin, a former top 50 prospect, had some injury issues, but to get her from Duke as a 6'2", 6'3", shooter, stretch four, to add to that front court. And now you add your first in-state prospect. Like Shauna is not hidden that like she has to repair. She's got a lot of work to do with in-state recruiting because it's just, just like when Lovey Smith was the head coach at at Illinois football, like the in-state brand was bad. Like the brand was bad in-state and you have to repair a lot of that. Shauna Green's done a lot of that in one year and to, to get Haven Smith, who's had another high major offer, uh, several impressive offers, like to get her on board is a breakthrough. It's a breakthrough and to have it be in the post, like the front court was the issue for Illinois last year. And now you have Camille hobby, Shea Bowen to add to Kendall Bostic, who was a phenomenal player, all Big Ten player, and Brent Shoup Hill, I think has all Big Ten potential down the line, but as a stretch forward was was really important to Illinois. They just didn't have really anything behind them. And the great part is Hobby's only here for one year, but most of your core has eligibility for a couple years. Like Peebles and Hobby, the only seniors are out of eligibility for sure after next year. So they got something they can build and uh, it's worth being excited about with Illinois women's basketball, which is amazing which is amazing. It's, uh, let's be honest. We didn't talk much a lot of women's basketball on this podcast the last couple of years because there wasn't really a reason to. Like, we liked – I wanted to cover them. I did some stories on Nancy Faye's tenure, but there just wasn't much to talk about, and they didn't want to talk about it very much because why would you when you're 7 and 77 in the Big Ten? Shauna Green's doing a good job of grabbing our attention, and I got to be honest, like, the the interest in a lot of women's basketball, whether it's attendance, whether it's – traffic on our stories it's great and and uh, shout out to joey wagner he's done an unbelievable job covering that program so it's been fun it's, it's been cool to see shauna green uh inject so much life and excitement in the program in just one year for a program that hasn't had life and excitement for for more than a decade at the very least but really uh this level probably two decades since Teresa gretz was here so shout out to her you can read all about these 
editions. Joy Wagner's covered it at IlliniInquire.com. We've got plenty on Trey Petty up at IlliniInquire.com as well. But let's talk some hoops. Isaac Trotter, 24-7 sports national sports writer, college basketball writer. He joins us next right here on the Illini Inquirer podcast. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, let's talk some college hoops with, we can now call him, National College Basketball Writer, Isaac Trotter, 24-7 sports National College Basketball Writer. It's official. He's big time. What's up, big time? What's up? How are you? <laughs> hey, congratulations on the gig, man. Uh, you have carved out this role at 24-7 sports. I'm a proud papa over here watching the, watching this kid become a star. Not No longer a kid. Uh, and, and now has a, a new... Uh, New place up uh, near Wrigleyville. So you and Maddie hanging out up there, man. Like, it's a good time to be Isaac Trotter. It is, yeah. <laughs> We're in Chicago now. It's nice to move and get that whole process done. Uh, I have like a week of stories worth already from Chicago, but it's been good. It's been good. It's uh, it's a little different. It's good to be back in Illinois, and, and I'm excited. It gives kind of me a little bit more of an avenue to cover some bigger events for us. And we have the NBA Combine coming to Chicago in a couple weeks, so... Matthew Meyer, Matthew Meyer is going to go to the G League camp, and I get to go see him, and then Coleman Hawkins, and probably Terrence Shannon will be there too, and we can we can see how they do, and maybe talk to them a little bit too. So it'll it'll be fun. It'll be really fun. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, we locked uh, we lost uh, Isaac Trotter, but we still have him basically uh, with the 24/7 Sports Network, and uh, just doing great stuff on this college basketball offseason, man. That I know people are perturbed maybe by, by adjusting this new reality but as we've talked about before man it's entertaining it's got a lot of NBA kind of flavor to it some people don't like that of course but it does provide a lot of interesting uh, storylines in the off season. and I want to dive into this with you I want to dive into uh, Illinois with you as well but the number one story in college basketball basically this offseason is, is Hunter Dickinson uh, what a saga this was uh, the best player to probably enter the transfer portal uh, since in the small time that we've had the transfer portal and he ends up at Kansas what'd you make of this entire ordeal the last month or so yeah it felt like he took a long time to make a simple decision and (laughs) at the end of the day right when he entered it's like Kansas makes the most sense from every different scenario and all these twists and turns all of the updates and what is he doing and when's the podcast coming out it all results in going to Kansas. So I think it's one of those situations where it does help college basketball a little bit to have like this interest. And I think the interest now in the sport is super high, like, like almost as high as it was in March madness. But now, like now that Hunter Dickinson got it, it felt a little bit like people were getting tired of it. Like people really (laughs) wanted him to make a decision and now he does. And now we can kind of start messing around with what Kansas roster looks like. And it, it makes sense, but man, it feels like the whole process to get to this point was way more annoying than it should have been. Yeah, like you could talk about it. Like people can say they don't like it, but boy, they're tuning in, they're clicking, they're subscribing. Like I t- like April is our craziest month, usually of traffic nowadays. And, and it continues into May uh, with everything that's going on. Like it is, listen, it's 
it's a long haul for us, right? Like covering this stuff uh, can be really grueling and grinding, but uh, it, it is it does draw up interest. Like that's the NFL draft draws up interest for their league, right? Free agency for baseball, basketball, all that stuff during the off season. I don't think it's necessarily a terrible thing for college basketball interest, as you said. But uh, I want to get to the Big Ten side of this of Hunter Dickinson. Who's hurting more today, Michigan or Maryland? I think it's Maryland just because there was that thought that he could potentially go there and and like they had that idea. I think Michigan knew pretty quickly. So the the inside thing here was they got all of those transfers. They got Trey Jackson from Seton Hall. They got Namari Burnett from Alabama and they got Caleb Love. And they went back to Hunter Dickinson and were like, so what do you think? Like, let's have a meeting like this could potentially work. And I think he listened to them, but it was pretty clear that he wasn't going to go back to Michigan whether that means he burnt his bridge with his teammates or whatever, it wasn't going to happen. With Maryland, I think a lot of people thought that he was leaning that direction as late as the night before he flew Bill Self out to DeMatha to meet him. So it's just a, it's just been a wild roller coaster. And now Maryland can get back to what they originally were going to do. And I don't know if it's necessarily a bad thing. Like playing Julian Reese at the five is good. Playing Dante Sagat at the four is good. I think that can really work. Adding Hunter Dickinson would have been nice, I guess, but kind of confusing too. I love their front court as it is. I didn't think they needed Hunter Dickinson, but I know being the kid from DeMatho, DC area, like made made a lot of sense and a lot of strife between them, of course, from uh, the Turgeon era. But I, I want to ask you, um, why did Hunter Dickinson leave Michigan, and what what does that mean for Juwan Howard? Yeah, I wrote that I thought it was an indictment on how his best player thought the program was going or in the right direction in that direction and. I still believe that. I I just don't think there's any way that you can spin Hunter Dickinson leaving Michigan as like some good exit for both sides and somebody needed something different. Like your best player who could have been here for not just one more year, two more years. He had two more years decided that a big brand like Michigan was not good enough for him. That That's on Jawan Howard for the – I mean, they did make the Sweet 16 last or two years ago, and that's cool or whatever. Uh, but at the end of the day, like, they had a really bad regular season two years ago. Last season was a really bad regular season and underwhelmed. And I think he had real questions about it. And they were potentially looking at another starting point guard or, or another revamped backcourt. And I don't think he really wanted to be a big part of that. And the front court picture was still a major question. He didn't yeah. he didn't see like the, hey, surround me with shooters type of game plan. They Michigan didn't do that. And I, I just I think he kind of was fed up and was like, hey, listen, I, I just have to have something different if I want to reach my peach my peak potential. And I think it's a big, big turning point for Juwan Howard. And it'll be interesting to see if he's able to turn this around and make it work again, or if this is like the beginning of the end, to be honest. Yeah. I do think like there, there's, there's still a path to where he has success because he does get talent. Right. And, and if Caleb Love can be somewhat more efficient and, and Terrace Reed is a heck of a prospect, right? Like they have some good talent there. Uh, but man, like, is he going to get the most out of it during an entire regular season? They've been able to put, turn it on in the postseason sometimes, but uh, yeah, I, I'm interested to see where that goes from here. I, I want to focus on Illinois basketball. I'm just going to go big picture. What have you made of this offseason for, for Brad Underwood in this program? Yeah, um, I've talked about it with Tulip a little bit. It felt like Brad Underwood kind of took the reins of this transfer portal uh, game plan of like, hey, I really like Quincy Garrier. Let's go get him, and I'm going to lead the point on this. Hey, I really like Marcus Domask. I don't need to see more. Let, I'm going to go get him. I'm going to take the lead on this one. I don't know how involved he was with Justin Harmon yet. I, I think that might come out eventually of how involved he was with that one. But him taking the reins of like, hey, we need to get older. We need to get more experienced pieces. 
Uh, it's a one-year rebuild. Like we're just preparing for 2023, 2024. And hey, we think try to get pieces that could help Terrence Shannon, help Coleman Hawkins make the most best decisions, could help us in the transfer portal, add what we need to because these guys don't really detract anything. Those are all make a lot of sense. But the most important thing is Brad Underwood taking the lead after, you know, Sky Clark was a Tim Anderson guy. Like that was a Tim Anderson brought that and said, hey, we think that this kid can be really good. You know, whether the Jay Nepp situation, that was kind of on Chester. Not everything is on Chester, but like he brought Jay Nepps in. And so this year it felt like Brad's kind of taken the reins of this roster construction. That's really interesting to me. And what does it mean long term? I don't know, but that's a fascinating little subplot of this offseason. I agree with you. Like, I mean, obviously Tim Anderson could get talent. The talent didn't all gel last year, of course. Of course, whatever people want to say about Matthew Meyer, Terrence Chant, like they they helped Illinois get to an NCAA tournament. So you got credit for that. Uh, and I like the guys Chester has recruited, but obviously they were very young last year. But I do find that a really interesting part of the season. Yet he's gone with the one year guys. What, what do you make of that? Is it is is that is that just Brad Underwood said? Hey, it, it's it's my job is to build a roster, a roster, not a roster that's going to be here for four years. Totally. Yeah, I think that's exactly what it is. And we've seen a similar thing with Bob Huggins at West Virginia. And a lot of people are talking about, oh, Bob Huggins is potentially preparing to retire after the season because he's added all all like older veterans, one-year guys left, or maybe two years on, on one of them, and no recruits in the class of 2023. So this one's a little bit different. Brad Underwood's not at the same stage of his career as Bob Huggins. But I do think he is really doubling down on, hey, we are a year-by-year build. And we're going to bring in guys that are give us high floor additions. We'll see what we do. And then we'll rebuild it next year because we think that we have an attractive sell in the transfer portal. And we think that some of the pieces that we have in place are going to be here long term. Like, I think it's a Ty Rogers. Like, I think this transfer portal game plan really says a lot about Ty Rogers' role in the program. Like, they think he could be around for maybe this year and then potentially next year. I think it says a lot about what they think of Amani Hansberry. It's like they think this is a building block for multiple years, just so they know those people. So, and Luke Goody, you know, yeah. you think you can have him for a couple years. So, I think it says a little bit about the guys that they have coming in that they think those are culture guys that we're going to have it for a few years. So, let's just go in all in on trying to make Coleman Hawkins and Terrence Shannon, you know, a roster that would be intriguing for them to come back to. What stands out about the guys they've added? So you could take whatever you want. Quincy Guerriere, Marcus Domask, and uh, Justin Harmon. Uh, defensive versatility is the thing that I really like. I think Quincy Guerriere can guard Guerriere can guard multiple positions. I think Domask is going to be a very solid positional defender. I have no issues with him. I think he's going to know where to be. I could think he could lead the league in charges if he really wanted to and really double down on that narrative if he wanted. But I think he's got some real legit size. And then I think Justin Harmon, when he doesn't have to have like this huge offensive role and, hey, you're coming off the bench, you're playing 12 to 15, 16 minutes, and you have to play really aggressive defensively, I think we could see a different version of him defensively. So I like those three different pieces. They're old. They're experienced. I feel like they all can create their own shot, and but they don't demand the basketball. Those are all great things offensively. But I think defensively, too, you can kind of get back to playing more sound defense. And no, being old doesn't mean you're good at defense. We saw that last year. Matthew Myers, old, had some really great highlight plays defensively, but he also hurt you a lot. I don't know how many times these guys will hurt you defensively. And so say you get Coleman Hawkins back, say you get another set from Dane Danger. When those guys were locked in, Illinois had the best rim-protecting defense in the Big Ten, arguably. And they kind of got broken down because of mistakes on the perimeter from young freshmen, from 
Matthew Meyer, all of those different things. I think these guys will eliminate those mental mistakes a little bit more, and Illinois can be more sound defensively and not have as many, you know, breakdowns. Because RJ Melendez also had his fair share of breakdowns as well, too. What do you make of what that group can do offensively? Yeah, I don't think it's. I think it's incomplete until we know what Terrence Shannon does and what Coleman Hawkins does. But I do think that there is a high floor for Quincy Garrier. I think he's a really solid piece. Like I, I would be stunned if he doesn't average double figures next year. I think that's kind of in his role. I, th- I think Marcus Domask is going to be really, really productive in a minimal role. I don't know what Justin Harmon's role is until we see the lead guard thing figure out. But at the end of the day, high IQ can pass, can dribble can make shots, can get to the free throw line, can, can convert free throws in Domask's case, and Harmon's also a good free throw shooter. You hope Gary can be that because he has really good form. Like, those, th- those are really, really intriguing qualities to add to this group. And, you know, you kind of look back at last year and you, you look at UConn, and UConn's obviously, like, everybody's going to compare themselves to yeah. UConn. But I look at all of these role players that just did a job. Like, what's your role? What do you do? Do your job. And I think Marcus Domask is going to buy into doing a job. I think Justin Harmon's going to buy into doing his job, whatever that is. I think Gary is going to buy in and do his job, whatever that is. And now we'll find out what that job description actually looks like when, when Coleman and Terrence make their decisions. Yeah, and that's the key. They still need some star power uh, to return to this team or to come to this team. Uh, and let's talk about offensively the key to all of this is finding a lead guard. And, and at long last, late Ray J. Dennis – Toledo guard, Mac player of the year, enters the transfer portal. This doesn't happen quickly. Um, Illinois has obviously been mentioned here. You've mentioned it, Isaac, in, in your reporting and your stories that Illinois is a prominent player here. But what do you make of the potential fit for Ray J. Dennis in this team? And what do you make of this recruitment? Yeah, I think Ray J. Dennis to Illinois would be a grand slam for Illinois. I think he's long. I th- he's proven that he can really shoot it. I think there's some there's some offensive things there that really tantalize you a little bit like his ability and ball screens to make the right decisions get to his spots like you look at what certain transfer up guards have done like Jameer Young what he came from Charlotte to Maryland and did I think you could foresee a similar scenario where a high level double digit scorer who can potentially flirt with leading the Big Ten in assists like I think that's what Ray J Dennis is capable of sign me if up. you're able to sur- yeah, right. Like if you're able to find a guy, like I look at Michigan's, like we the the Michigan, you know, transfers that they had in, everybody goes, Oh, mid major guy came in, he was eh. like Mike Smith was fine. Like more than fine. Like I think Jalen Wellen would have been totally fine. I'm blanking on the kid a couple years ago who helped them a lot. He was fine. Devontae Jones. I think Ray J. Dennis Yeah. Yeah, I think I think Ray J. Dennis is better than all those guys. Like I think he's I think he can really get to his mid range jumper and his his pull ups are great. And the thing about the turnovers just keeps standing out to me. Like they played fast, they had uh, the ball in his hands a ton. They were getting up and down the floor. They have a ton of possessions, and he has a minuscule turnover thing. I think he had two or less turnovers in like twenty five games last year. That's awfully impressive. So you just add that that steady, high, like good decision maker who can make shots from the perimeter, who can get to the rim. He has a really good float game. He stops on a dime and can get to his pull up. And then you factor in all the really smart decision making. That makes a ton of sense. And you can look at his assist rate last year. I think it was like 32%. It's like, oh, wow, that's awesome. But Toledo is a great three-point shooting team. Like they had an awesome year shooting the basketball. I don't know if Illinois is going to have that personnel yet. But the decisions that he makes, he makes the easy decisions every time. Like, he takes the singles. I think Illinois took the singles very much last year. 
they haven't taken the singles in a couple years since Ayo Desumu was, was part of the team, it feels like, because uh, we know the Curbelo roller coaster. There weren't many singles uh, there. The home runs were fun, uh, but the uh, the strikeouts weren't. This guy, Javi Baez at point guard. Uh, Coleman Hawkins and uh, Terrence Chan, I want to get to here in a second, but what what do you expect out of Ray J. Dennis's recruitment here? Because it's been very quiet, it seems like. Super quiet. I think Illinois has to be considered the leader. I've been told by multiple people Illinois is the leader, but then like the weird, like, hey, you know, we have no idea where he's visiting, but Indiana's like circling. We haven't heard a ton of other names. That's the thing. That's the thing, like, I've heard, like, you know, Ray J. Dennis has interest from other people, but no one names the teams. Yeah. So make it makes me really wonder if it's like a drive the price up situation. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, what what is the holdup here? Because I have yet to hear a bunch of teams that are really involved with Ray J. Dennis or have a lot of connections with him. And that stuff is so easy to get access to this year. And so for him to not have that makes it really interesting. So if it's truly a negotiation thing, I expect Illinois to do what it needs to do to get it because you can't can't sit out all of these other lead guard recruitments and not get Ray J. Dennis. If Ray J. Dennis was yeah. your true target all along. It doesn't make sense. So yeah, that's kind of where I'm at. The only thing that makes me do the Brian Windhorst thing is Jeremiah Williams entering the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. It's an interesting time for a former Illinois target. Uh, was at Iowa State last year, but did not play due to an Achilles injury. That would scare me uh, if, if I'm going to rely on him to be the lead guard because he hasn't really stayed healthy throughout his career. But Chicago Simeon kid obviously played well at the mid-major level. Illinois wanted him last year when he picked Iowa State. That's a potential other option. Now, I, I don't know if Williams entered the portal knowing something else or some other school or whatever, but that name came up and it was like, oh, the antennas went up. Yeah, one thing I've been told about that recruitment is it felt like Iowa State was looking to go in a different direction in their backcourt. And that's weird to me because he didn't play a second there. And when they got him, they were fired up about him. And so now a year later, now they've had a guys in the transfer portal. They have some pretty decent young players coming in. So for him, that's an interesting one. Another name you have to, or another factor with that is the waiver. He's played, he's been in college two years at Temple, then one year at Iowa State. So he technically would need the waiver to get that. I don't think he's close to graduating yet. So that's another factor to watch. And then the third thing I look at is Jeremiah Williams is kind of like what you hope Sincere Harris turns into phenomenal defender, really good lead guard. I just don't know if there's room for both of those guys yeah. on the roster. And I think I think Ray J. Dennis would be a obviously a, a little bit of a different caliber addition there for sure. Yeah, uh, Ray J. Dennis changes your team completely. I, I don't know if uh, another addition at point guard. That's why it's like, hey, like Illinois seems pretty all in at this point at Ray J. Yeah. Dennis. We aren't, we aren't privy to all of that, but it, it seems like this has been their plan most of the time. Well, and if this is their plan, like I go back to like there were winnable recruitments that they didn't just pass on. They didn't even think about being involved with Tyler Perry. Like they had no interest in like pursuing Dalton Connect, really. I mean, they were connected to them, but there wasn't really a lot of traction there. Like, so like there's like a lot of these like different lead type of guards, potential point guards that they've just passed on. And so that makes it seem like Ray J. Dennis has been the plan all along. And if that is your number one 1A plan, get him. Better not miss. Yeah, you better not miss. Best not miss. Uh, Coleman Hawkins and Terrence Shannon. I was just looking at uh, Kyle Boone, CBS Sports, his big board for the NBA draft. He's got Terrence Shannon, number 39. Uh, Coleman Hawkins, number 44. We know Coleman, I believe, is going to the uh, NBA draft combine. Haven't heard from Terrence, but I would imagine as, as a top 45 guy. Interesting decisions for both those guys. I mean, I would have thought most of the season Terrence Shannon was a lock to go. Coleman Hawkins maybe lean towards 
returning, but uh, might be opposite of what we thought, or we'll see if any, either of these guys comes back. But obviously huge ramifications on, on Illinois' season. I just find it interesting that Illinois hasn't been very active in looking for wings. Totally, totally. Um, the, isn't it weird that Coleman Hawkins told John Rothstein that he wanted to come back to a roster that has a lot of old guys, and Illinois goes and gets three old guys that would theoretically – pair perfectly with him and then he now doesn't like it feels like there's like hey coleman hawkins could potentially leave it i don't get it like i just don't get it we just mentioned it with ray j dennis these players have leverage man like and if i'm coleman hawkins he's a really good player that i don't know if Illinois can perfectly replace in the portal uh now i think terrence shannon's more important to their win-loss total next year most likely but He's very important, and he could really lift Illinois, especially if Terrence Shannon decides to come back too. So if Coleman wants to use a little bit of leverage here, I can't I can't blame a kid anymore. Totally. And that's the thing. Like, I just don't want to jump to conclusions on, oh, he's 100% gone or 100% back. Like, I think Illinois has made a strong case for Coleman Hawkins to return. I think they've also built up a really good stable of, like, if Coleman Hawkins does not come back, we're going to ride with Quincy at the four, we're going to ride with Dane at the five, and we feel decent about that. The, it's completely opposite with Terrence Shannon. Like if Terrence Shannon does not come back, I think Illinois is in a really tough spot. And just so just trying like, to get into the tournament then, right? Like for the most yeah, part. Right. Cause I mean, I was looking at the transfer portal lists and yeah, we can put Hunter Dickens in his own category, but if you were putting Terrence Shannon in the transfer portal, I would probably have him as the number two player in the portal. So getting a guy like him back would be like adding a five-star transfer. And like, you know, you saw what Io came back and did for his year. I'm not saying Terrence is an Io, but I think a first team All Big Ten type of season is absolutely in play for him. And we saw Io really leveled up. I think Terrence would really level up, and you could probably get the best out of him with Ray J. Dennis. Like, if you're going to add, like, if you're going to think a hypothetical of Ray J. Dennis and Terrence Shannon together, that's like arguably the best backcourt in the Big Ten. You could put them hand in hand together against almost any backcourt in the country. Like, you would feel great about that. I still have questions about Ray J. Dennis on the defensive end, but offensively, you feel really good about those two together. And you could probably pencil them in for, you know, 32 points a night. That seems, you know, conservative. And, like, you could probably think that that's a pretty fair estimate for both of those two guys together. Yeah, I was looking at the Bart Torvik funalytics thing about projections, and, and Terrence Chan's like a 20-team leap if he returns Coleman's like five, six, seven, something like that. Ray J Dennis is something like five, six, seven, but like Terrence Shannon would be massive. Just, to, I, I don't, I don't know why he'd come back to be honest, but maybe he can up his draft stock. Maybe he can make good NIL money. Maybe he likes school. Maybe he wants to, to go far in the NCAA tournament. So like, I, I get it from the logic standpoint of like where you're going to make the leap in the NBA. Um, but if he's really 39 and not top 30, you're taking a risk a little bit there too. So I can understand it. Totally. And I think the point that you brought up about, do you like school is a really interesting one too. If he really likes school and wants to come back, that's, you know, pretty fair because we are seeing it on the opposite end. Like Kevin McCuller is not as high as Terrence Shannon on the draft boards, but he hates school and does not want any part to do with going back to Kansas. That's probably a big reason why he won't return. So factoring in the love for school like it can make all the sense in the world to go back but a lot of guys who have these stay or go decisions have pretty much already made that up because they don't like school and listen i was one of those too i was trying to get out of school as fast as possible it's like true. It's i true. right I'm, I'm taking that 18 credit hours to try to graduate as early as possible in summer school i get it but like it's an interesting dynamic for some guys who might like school and might want to go back and and 
just because they enjoy school, even if it doesn't necessarily make a ton of sense. Because I'm with you. Terrence going back to school doesn't really add up in my head. Like, I don't know what his leap is that he can make. But, man, he'd be a really, really good player. And, man, maybe making a run for Big Ten Player of the Year would be something that's really intriguing to him. Yeah, and making good money playing college basketball um, and, and being kind of the big man on campus. There's some good things about it, too. All right, let's, uh, let's go out to the Big Ten. Who has won the offseason in the Big Ten? Not that this means anything for whether you actually win during the season, but who who's had the best offseason? Yeah, I'm going to go to the team that I thought lost last year in the offseason, and that's <laughs> Michigan State. Like, they get everybody back. And last year we're talking about, oh, they shouldn't, have, they should have added this transfer or this transfer, and they choose not to. And this year they're basically running everybody back. Yeah, uh, as of now, AJ Hogard and Jade Nakins both are going through that NBA draft process, but both are expected to return. You add that core group back. Like, I don't think they thought they were getting Tyson Walker back, and he's back. Malik Hall is coming back. You add in this recruiting class of Xavier Booker, Cohen Carr, who's been a big riser, and then Jeremy Fears. That's a really strong nucleus. So I I like what Michigan State's done, even though they haven't added anybody. Just not losing anybody and re-recruiting your own roster is really, really huge. So I don't know if they have the highest ceiling in the Big Ten yet. I think they're going to be really good, but I don't know what their ceiling is. And But I do know they have one of the highest floors, definitely. Where would Nebraska rank on your list of winners? Would they be top three or four of your winners? I was so close to having Nebraska as like one of my favorite winners if they had gotten that your boy Javian McCollum. Uh, He ended up picking Oklahoma over them. And I was like, man, that made it like that would have been awesome. And then they had five star Hunter Salas on on campus for a visit i'm like oh my gosh like that will make perfect sense nebraska huge winner casey tomanaga season coming right up next year like it's gonna be great and he picks wake forest so now they've pivoted to aaron ulis that's fine but it's not the same as hunter salas and it certainly was not the same as jv and mccullum which would have really put hoiberg on the map i think i mean you could have even convinced me into saying that nebraska is a top half of the big 10 team if they got mccollum on the team next year alas it wasn't meant to be yeah i'll probably be pretty high on them but uh losing wilhelm breidenbach man like uh what what a what a shot to my heart because outside of tomanaga like that that was my guy on that team i mean the googles or the the goggles on that bad boy like they were good and listen he was pretty decent too like he had he had some game to him so a little bit once he quit fouling he was pretty decent so yeah but i mean at the end of the day for nebraska i think you still have to be pretty encouraged like yeah. the, the pieces that they've added have been really good Bryce Williams out of Charlotte really really good shooter but he's got more to his game than just a shooter I think he can be a really good scorer for them and then I don't know how to say his name Rink Mast I yeah. believe from Bradley really good piece for them as well I don't think he's quite as good as Ben Creeke the kid from Valpo that Iowa got but I, he's a really good addition as well so I would expect both of those guys to start Aaron Ulis is gonna have a great chance to start Getting Juwan Gary back is huge too, and and you just figured out if you can get Kase back for another year, you're pretty decent. Big Ten Player of the Year, right there, over Edie. Is he going to earn a? Is he going to earn a? Will you put him on your first or second team next year? Uh, he'll definitely be top ten I, player. Um, I I had okay. him third team last year. I thought he played so well, but I mean, thinking of Hoiberg, man, like five months ago, we all thought he was going to potentially get fired. Like Nebraska might have to eat all that money, and the way they ended the season. And I just think they finally started to build a culture. Uh, and I think he's right, adding the right transfers. I think he's kind of right, adding the right players now because it felt like he was just kind of adding some flashiness. You know, I, I know the McGowans, you got Bryce, and that's great for a year. Uh, I, I know he got Alonzo Verge, some Matthew Meyer to Alonzo Verge, right? So, like, I, I just didn't know if it was the right players to build, but I think he's starting to get that now. 
Yeah, I think like the Derek Walker kid was a great addition yes. for them and it was awesome for them. Like we Sam Griesel was really good for them. Grusel. I honestly think they would have made even more noise if they hadn't got hurt. That's a sneaky big reason why I mean they had a lot of real injuries last year. Like mm-hmm. Emmanuel Bandamel was really good for them at times. Jawan Gary was really good for them at times. Just old, tough veteran guys who understood their role. So yeah, I'm excited to see what they do. And I think it does say a lot a little about NIL being able to you know, kind of help a team get out of its rut a little bit. And Nebraska got its collective in shape, and that's really helped them get the program back. And now you don't have to see another potential rebuild. Like, they're still in a retool kind of per se, but they're kind of trending in the right direction because of NIL. And I don't think if NIL was a factor, if we'd be having the same conversation about Fred Oiberg. All right, I'm going to take Minnesota out of this conversation. Uh, would Minnesota finish top three in Missouri Valley? No. I don't think so. Year three. Year three. Uh, who, is la- who has lost the offseason in the Big Ten? So you'll have to just hang with me here a little bit. I'm not a huge fan of Indiana's offseason, like, at all. I thought that they had a chance to get a high-level lead guard after Jalen Hutchifino left. It's like, get a lead guard like him. Like, you can be really good. And getting Xavier Johnson back is nice, but they swung and missed on Dalton Connect for some reason. They had a great sell for him. Didn't get him. He somehow goes to Tennessee, which is a loaded backcourt. I don't understand that move at all. And so they've been, like, trying to get another really high-level lead guard. They need a score, and they haven't got it at all. So Kalel Ware is a, a big name who has a high recruiting ranking for us. But, like, I I don't know what to expect from him right away. Like, I like Peyton Sparks. I think he could be really good for them. Anthony Walker's fine. But, like, they need a shot maker. They need more shot making. And What's been their right issue now, for years? Current- like, it, it's it's shot making. Yeah. It's, it's shot, like, and listen, Kalil Ware is an enticing player. And you just had Trace Jackson Davis. What percentage of Trace Jackson Davis can they realistically expect? I know he's got the potential to be a first-round draft pick, but that's on potential. Like, Khalil Ware was not a great college basketball player last year. Right. Well, and if I say, oh, get 50% of Trace Jackson Davis, remember at the end of the year, that's 24 points, 11 rebounds, and 7 assists at times was he doing. So half of Trace Jackson would be like – 12 4 and 2 like that'd be great <laughs> that'd be great i i just i'm very concerned about that and you know they're they're like their starting backcourt right now is xavier johnson trey galloway and then cj gunn good Gabe vets Cups. good good vets right like but yeah they they just lack that dude in the backcourt after losing hood Shafino, which they knew they were going to lose him but it's like you need to have that dude. So unless CJ Gunn, you know, comes out in order, or Xavier Johnson is that Xavier Johnson we saw for three weeks at the end of two seasons ago. Like I think I, I think they're a little vulnerable because I like Peyton Sparks. I think that's a really good addition for them. Clearware, I I get it, but if I'm if you're using your salary cap in NIL, I would focus more on my guard than Clearware. Well, and Mike Woodson knows that. We're not just like spouting this off because every single time they get a lead guard, they're Indiana's right involved in mix and they haven't been able to get any traction. Like Tyra Lawrence out of Vandy would have made a ton of sense for them. They reach out, they don't get any traction with him. It's interesting. So it's like, it's weird. Especially it's weird. when you have like a potential lottery pick in a month or two. 
<laughs> it reminds me a little bit of like what Wisconsin had after Johnny Davis. Like you thought, oh, Johnny Davis is great, and they're going to be able to capitalize on it, and they weren't. Like they haven't been able to capitalize on the Jalen Hood Shafino thing. Now Wisconsin did that with AJ Store. Yeah, I think that is Good definitely mission. an impactful thing. Two years, or uh, technically, be two cycles later, but uh, but Indiana I thought would be hand in glove. Jalen Hood Shafino gone early. Trace Jackson Davis gone early. They're going to be able to make some really really big waves with impactful pieces, and they just haven't yet. I mean, Illinois needs something to go right, I think, to, to stay out of this conversation. I, I, I think what they've added is, is solid, good so far, but they lost some as well. Uh, so obviously the next month is going to be really important to whether we put them as a big winner or we consider them, I don't know if they got better. Right. I, that's how I feel about Illinois and Northwestern. Both of them are kind of in that same like conversation of like, the they're kind of like swinging in this pendulum of right in the middle and we'll find out in the next month if their offseason was a win or a loss for illinois it's it's ray j dennis it's coleman it's terrence for northwestern it's can you get boo booey back can you get chase adige back and what where are you going to go from there so like those are those really impactful stay or go things and we'll find out at the combine i think the combine is going to be really really impactful for both of those programs and have a huge swing on the big 10 race next year too because you also have Zach Eady, which is yeah. a, a massive, massive one as well. Can we call Wisconsin a sneaky good offseason? Definitely. Definitely. I would have been all in on Wisconsin as a huge win if Noah Reynolds still stayed. That's right. He was a weird it was a weird thing. He's from Wyoming. He comes to Wisconsin and then the new coach at UWGB, Green Bay, uh hired his brother. And so then he bounces from Wisconsin and goes to play for University of Wisconsin Green Bay, which has been a horrible horrible program so like he decides to go and leave to play with his brother and that's a big loss for them because i really liked what they had but so far so good like chucky hepburn there was some transfer portal stuff about him he ended up not leaving i think jordan davis nicely is addition by subtraction uh steven crowell getting him back connor Seijan back tyler wall back max klesman back that's five starters that's really good you add aj store you feel good about that top six yeah what they what they were missing was that, what they were missing was kind of that athletic guy who can score at all three levels right yes. and i think store fits in real so I, I don't know if they're gonna win the big 10 wisconsin every time you count them out they seem like they do but that's like to retain all of that including hepburn who there are plenty of rumors about potentially going elsewhere and add a, a good transfer guard in AJ store Greg guard big year for him and I think he's had a good offseason yeah it's weird I, I kind of look up and down the big 10 I'm like oh that move makes sense that move makes sense so you're gonna look at these like transfer portal winners and I don't think you're gonna see a lot of these big 10 teams as like a transfer portal winner but like I look at Rutgers like going to get Noah Fernandez from UMass that makes a lot of sense for what they have They're They're basically, Hey, you're our Caleb McConnell replacement offensively. Like, and, but Fernandez is way better offensively than, than McConnell, a little bit different defensively, but get, get Cliff back, get Mulcahy back. And they're really good. Purdue. If they can get Mulcahy, back, it's an automatic win. Mulcahy feels right. like he's been there for seven years now. Doesn't he? Doesn't he? Well, think about this. How about Ohio State's offseason? They've had a really solid offseason. Jamison Battle getting him back or getting him. Dale Bonner from Baylor's a really good get. They have another freshman class coming in that's good. More importantly, all of their key guys stayed out of the transfer portal. Bruce Thornton didn't enter. Roddy Gale didn't enter. And you don't think those guys are tampered with? Like, yeah. come on. Like, those dudes showed a lot late in the season. Like, there had been plenty of teams that were all over him. So I just look up and down. We've already talked about Michigan State, Nebraska. We've we've talked about Maryland getting a couple decent – or Maryland has gotten a couple guys back. Like, a lot of really Im impactful pieces. Iowa got a really good player. So it feels like the whole Big Ten has done a good job of adding these little pieces – 
And yeah, maybe they haven't had that splash. Maybe they're not West Virginia who's revamped their thing. Maybe they're not Arkansas who's added a, a ton of talent. But winning, winning rotation players is, yeah. I feel like, a really strong theme from this Big Ten offseason. Yeah, and you mentioned Cricky. Uh, it's a really good addition for Iowa. And, you know, Penn State, new coach. Like Mike Rhodes has added some real talent. Like Ace Baldwin might be the best transfer that's coming to the Big Ten so far. And Puff Johnson from North Carolina. I know Wahab has, you know, kind of gone back and forth mm-hmm. with these schools, but he's obviously a, a decent rotational big man. Uh, they've added some, some interesting talent there. It is, and I think it shows kind of like – where the Big Ten's at in the pecking order. Like, they're able to get the guys they want. And I, I don't have a doubt of that at all. And it's, is this a Big Two situation forming like in football? I don't know because the Big East is phenomenal. And I think we've seen the Big 12 obviously is flexing its muscles. But I think that there's really good scouting and development and or scouting and understanding the right fit for the transfer portal in the Big Ten that we're not necessarily seeing in other places. Like Arizona State's in like a talent grab thing. They're running into all these just getting everything like like i was earlier this week when i'm trying to buy groceries with her just everything that's what arizona state's trying to do and like in the big 10 it's like they're really selective going to the right spots to find the right things and it's smart it's really smart we'll see we'll see what happens especially with these stay or go decisions because if if northwestern stay or go decisions work out if illinois does if Purdue does the big 10 is going to be really really solid i think next year it's going to be deep uh, that's for sure it always is ridiculously competitive do you think the Big Ten has a chance to have a Final Four team? To have a team that is top five in the country that actually, you know, Purdue, I think we all had doubts about just because they can only play one way. Uh, do you feel like the Big Ten, whether it's Michigan, Maryland, Purdue again, um, can have that type of team? Yeah, I think it's Michigan State. I, I think, think that so. has to be the one. Really good guard play. They they fit the blueprint like this team stayed together for a while they have really good guards they have old vets in the front court that know what they do they can shoot and then they add in these five stars and so like you don't have a ton of pressure on the five stars because you don't really need them but if they give you something that's gravy i think that's kind of the game plan and then like that that, so they would probably be the favorite i think purdue's obviously going to be in the mix if they get basically all five starters back but I just I still think that you have a decent amount of programs here that could potentially give themselves a bite at the apple, like maybe not to win the national championship, but to make the Sweet 16 and then see what happens there. Because remember, last, I mean, if we were doing this podcast last year, no one would add San Diego State in the national championship game. Like, just give yourself a bite at the apple by getting old and get the right breaks and all those situations. And I think a lot of Big Ten teams are in the process of, of doing certain things to potentially lead to market success. Isaac Trotter, uh, congratulations on the new title, the new gig, National College Basketball Writer, 24-7 Sports. Congrats on the move. I'll let you get away so you can settle in and, uh, as a Cardinals fan, go attend a Cubs game. Sounds good. Thanks, man. Great stuff, as always, from Isaac Trotter. Check all his stuff out. Uh, You can follow him on Twitter at Isaac underscore Trotter. All right, that's going to do it for us on this Illini Enquirer podcast. As I said, it's uh, vacation season for Illini Enquirer. Joey Wagner got away for this weekend. Uh, Derek Piper coming back from vacation soon, but I'll be headed out next week as well. So if there are fewer podcasts, that is the reason why. But if there is breaking news, uh, I'm sure Joey and Derek will have you covered. Uh, I might not hop on, just just to be honest with you. Uh, I, I need to get away. I need to, to decompress after what has been uh, a heck of a busy time, really since training camp, I would say. You know, May and July are kind of my months that are slower. 
Uh, but after that, man, it is it is a grind. It is awesome. I love my job. But yeah, the wife and I getting away for a week uh, just to ourselves. It should be a really good time. So just if there's fewer podcasts, that is the reason why. But you can check out everything at IlliniInquiry.com. In the meantime, still got plenty of content posting about Illinois basketball, Illinois football, Illinois women's basketball, Illinois golf, all of it. You can check it out at IlliniInquiry.com. Everybody have a great day. Take care of each other. We'll talk to you next time right here on the Illini Inquirer podcast. Bye, everybody.